Hey, welcome to the Pretty AF Podcast. I'm Asli Maslow, a brand coach, speaker, author, marketer, and the founder of Pretty AF and the Babble Boutique. I help entrepreneurs going from living paycheck to paycheck in a job they hate to thriving in a career and life they love. This is your place to learn from me and other entrepreneurs that are Pretty AF inside and out. We get into how to create income doing what you love while finding balance between your wellness, beauty, travel, and philanthropy. If you're ready to get inspired and have actionable steps to build the life you love, then you're in the right place. Let's dive in. The biggest thing, you know, that you could do, for instance, like last night, I could tell you were tired and all, but you're still working away, and I'm like, just put it away. You have to just put it away, and that's what you... You have to stand up to your employers, or if you have employees, then think about that too for them. There has to be that that equal balance between work and life, and don't let work take over your life because then you won't really have a life. Welcome back to the Pre-AF Podcast. I'm your host, Asley Maslow, and that clip was actually from my mom, Tammy Coffin. So... A lot of the things that I believe in and that I kind of teach about, I of course learned from my mom. So I thought it would be really cool to have her on the show just to give you a better idea of where a lot of my mindset came from and why I believe a lot of the things that I do. So she shares her story, how she parented me and my brother, and her view on things, how to be positive when you're going through a lot. She's a breast cancer survivor. She currently has multiple sclerosis. She's been very successful in her career, and now she's focusing on building what she likes to call her side gigs. So without further ado, I'll let you get in this episode, and I'm so excited for you to meet my mom. I currently do what I call a bunch of side jobs, but before this, I worked in commercial property management, I did, had my own daycare center, I worked as a CFO for another company, and as each time I did something different, I had to get the education for it, start a new job, and then about eight years ago, I ended up not being able to work any longer, so now, after a few years, I have decided to start doing side jobs, different little things to help create income. In 2012, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And for first, for the whole year and a half from diagnosis, I was in and out of the hospital at the time. And then my work finally had said that because I was tripping over my own two feet and tripping on the floors, you know, when there's nothing there that I was a liability. So I was put off work onto long-term disability, and then I also received social security disability. Do you want to tell them about our last vacation before you Oh, yeah, that'd be funny. I had actually had several illnesses before they found out I had MS, and they were always doing all these different tests and trying to figure out what's going on, but I noticed like in 2011, it had started getting a lot worse, and I was having massive headaches and problems with my vision and everything. So in November of that year, they had done a CAT scan and MRI of my brain. And I went in to see my doctor and he said that I either had a brain tumor or I had 
multiple sclerosis. I had already planned, and they didn't know right away. We'd have to do a bunch more tests, and I, it would take some time for the test results. And I had already purchased a cruise for me, for you, and your brother, Jimmy. And we it was to the Caribbean, and everybody kept telling me I needed to cancel it. It was scheduled for January. And I was like, I'm not going to cancel it. What if I have a brain tumor and I'm going to die? So I, we went on this fun cruise. I had had alcohol before with no issues, but I guess because the MS, the alcohol affects you a little bit different. So you could say I was quite loopy on a lot of it. <laughs> and I was buying like t-shirts for my mom who never wears t-shirts and just acting real silly and goofy and laughing a lot. And it's the first time the kids ever really saw me inebriated. Probably oh. last. <laughs> I remember when we were on the Catalina boat. Oh, no, that was the pontoon. Oh, yeah. And then you were, like, running back to the ocean, but, or back to the beach, but, like, your arms were, like, flailing in the air for, like, no reason. <laughs> oh, it's funny, because when we were on the, on the pontoon from the ship to go to, they had, like, a little island there in the Caribbean that the cruise line owns. They take the pontoon, and it was, like, probably half-hour ride on it or something. But they were serving this fruit punch, and it tasted it tasted really good, real good. <laughs> and then when I was trying to get off the boat, the pontoon to go over to the the island, I could hardly stand up or anything. And they had like a rope to hang on to, and I'm like like this, and I was, I was pretty much lit, big time. They were laughing at me. And then when we got back to the where the ship was at. There was all these little stores and stuff, and that's when I went in and was like buying everything possible. And then we got back to the room, and I passed out. And they went and had dinner and stuff. It was fun, though. Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so, growing up, you always instilled in me and my brother that we can do anything we set our minds to. And that's something that I kind of thought everyone thought or believed because you always said that to us but as I've gotten more friends I've realized that that's not usually the case that... that normal? <laughs> no <laughs> so what in your life gave you the confidence to pass that down to us now mind you my parents were great parents they took great care of us we were army brats but I was born in the 60s, so the way that children were raised at that time is completely different than how children were raised when you guys were born, or even nowadays. But there, in my opinion, wasn't a lot of positivity in the household, and there wasn't a lot of discussions about what you could do or not do. It, it Well, let me take that back. There was a lot of discussion what you can't do. You can't do this. You can't do. It. Why are you even thinking about that? It's just you can't do that. There wasn't really any discussion about college or anything. It was always kind of like the joke when you turn eighteen. Dad's gonna give you a suitcase and then break your plate, and then it's all you go figure out what you want to do. For me personally, it wasn't. It didn't work for me growing up that way. Even in jobs and stuff, I when I'm around people that are very negative and down and say they can't do this or you can't do that. It just makes me want to step back away from them. So as I was going to school and doing different things, no matter how hard it got, 
or circumstances got bad or whatever, I would always try to look at why I'm doing it, the positive of why I'm doing it, to change it around and focus on that versus what was wrong with the situation or what, what wasn't going the way I wanted. From then on, you know, I just kept on doing my own thing and I always believed that anybody can do whatever they set their mind to, you know, unless there's some physical problem or something that prevents you from doing something. But there shouldn't be barriers for you to like say that you can only do this because of this, but I really want to do this. Then you find ways to do the second thing. So someone, I guess like you, didn't grow up with parents that instilled that in them. How can they start believing them now? Because I feel like a lot of people I know, it's so ingrained in them. Like, well, you have to follow this path because that's what's expected of you or what you've been told your whole life you're supposed to do. Well, that's where you really have to to look at yourself and analyze yourself and what you like and what you don't like. Really, I used to tell the kids, and I still do it all the time. I shouldn't say kids, they're adults now. If you're trying to make a decision, if you're wanting to do something, sit down and write it out and then write the pros and cons. And just kind of go over it, over and over it. And if you start focusing, doing that on different things you're, you're wanting to do, and you start focusing on the positive of it, the negative things will seem minute. So to get to that step, you, to me, you need to start when you have the negative thoughts in your mind, meaning like you're telling yourself you can't do this or you can't find a way to do this, whatever. Shut those down and then start thinking of not, I can't do this, but how can I make it so I can do this? What steps do I need to take? So I've seen you have a lot of different career paths growing up. You were a nail tech and a property manager and a student. And <laughs> so I've seen you make a lot of different pivots and reinvent yourself. How do you know when it's time to make a pivot? The two big factors for me were one, if I was unhappy in, in what I was doing. Because if I wasn't happy, then how could I be happy around my, my children and bring positivity to them if I was grumpy and miserable all the time? And two, if the market didn't call for the job as much as what I thought it would do. Meaning if it was a job that I was doing and it was okay, but it provided for me and the kids to be able to do what we wanted to do, then I would always try to look for things that were positive about the job. If it was a miserable job, even if it paid as much, I would have started looking for other avenues to do something else. It To me, it's a personal decision of, I call it reinventing myself, because if it didn't work at that time, it may work for you know three years, but year four, it may not be working anymore. So that's when I would start looking to see what else that I could do to change the situation. It took control of my own destiny there. Were you ever scared of what other people would think by you changing your mind or wanting to do different things? 
nope. <laughs> Not really. Did you ever have backlash from people? Yes. And more so from my parents. Uh, they come from the mentality, you start one job, you stay with that type of job the rest of your life. They always called me the career student because I was always either going to school or going to a seminar or going to some event or something to learn more and to better myself. Um, when I went to my first school, which was for an associate's degree in business, at that time I was working as physical therapy tech at a hospital and I told them I was going to go to school and they were said that I was stupid for doing it basically that I was wasting my money why am I doing that and at the time I couldn't understand why they're being so negative about it but I realized you know, they probably felt that I had a decent enough job and that there's no reason that I should be changing myself but I knew that job wouldn't be for me forever. But as far as anyone else, not really. I mean, they were the only ones that whenever I would go to school or do something, it was always like, but why? Why are you doing this? And I felt like I had to explain it all and my justification and all as to the decisions that I made. I think that's where I kind of get why I consider myself a multi-passionate entrepreneur and like there's a lot of different things that I like doing and I don't really like only doing one thing I guess but I know a lot of people like they get stuck in a job they don't really like and they just stay there forever but I feel like I've seen you like you're like okay this isn't serving me anymore so you leave versus I think a lot of people will just yeah, and I didn't leave without something already set up. So if yeah. I was doing a job that I didn't like, then I would try to research the market for where we live at, of what type of job or career or whatever that I could get into that would generate income to take care of the family. Not only did I look at you know, the area of what's popular and all, but did I ha even have a passion for it? Because I've taken a few courses that I should have never done. Nails. Yes. I became a nail tech, and I also um, got certified as a medical biller, and neither one of them did I even care for. I would practice on Asley with the nails, and her nails look so horrendous. It's embarrassing. <laughs> I was in, like, high school. <laughs> They looked like just horrible, horrible, and I just didn't like it. So because I didn't like it, I didn't put the extra effort in to really learn how to make it nicer. When you do switch from one career to another career, it's always important to have something lined up so that you're just not sitting out there with nothing there to do when you leave. Never just walk out or, you know, quit a job. I've only done that once. But... Think about where you want to go if that job's not working for you, meaning that not necessarily that place, but that job, the your title, what you're doing, the task that you do every day. If that's not working for you, then look for what are you passionate about. I think something I've done is I'll start things on the side versus going into something 
full force like leaving a full-time job to go to another full-time job or something different I've done a lot of when I was working a regular job that I would start things and kind of test them before I've like now made it into a full-time business but I spent like three years doing it as like a side thing yeah it's I mean that's what you have to figure out how how you can make that change and it like with you 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 did it on the side just try getting your feet wet to see if it's something you're really interested in it's yeah. it's important to do unless you know you're really passionate about something it's really important to try to expose yourself to that job or that career or, or whatever before you make the leap because a lot of times it may not be all that you thought it would be it's like i was working I'm trying to think where what i was doing before commercial property management i still don't remember it was so long ago <laughs> but i knew i was unhappy with my job and one of my brothers actually worked in commercial building and he knew construction and he knew of a lady that worked for a company that were just opening properties out here and doing building and all and they were looking for someone to train as a commercial property manager didn't know really much about it wasn't sure about it dealing with tenants and all this but once I got in there and started seeing what it what it involved I loved it it was like why couldn't I figured this out you know 30 years ago or not 30 but 20 years ago you know it would have been my taste at that time may have been different but it's something that I could have seen myself stay in doing for a very long time. So something else I want to ask you about is your positivity. Because even when you were still at jobs that you didn't like, or when you've struggled with, like you've had your cancer survivor, you have multiple sclerosis, but you're always positive and you always continue to follow your dreams. So what do you think it is that drives you to continue to be positive even when it's hard? I think the biggest thing that turned me to be super positive about everything is when you guys were little and you guys had so many health issues. Um, Jimmy, my son, had quite a few surgeries and I couldn't let you guys see me upset because it wouldn't help you be able to go through whatever medical issue that you're going through. So from that, it's just like I built more and more on it. So, you know, even though my son went in for a 16th surgery and I knew that he was just really upset because he, his attitude was a why me and I had to be the cheerleader. And so I got to be like that, not just at home, but I started doing that with people I worked with and people that worked under me and it just seemed to produce so much more productivity a happier work environment and all so i just after doing it for a while it just seemed natural it's just who i am now i'm happy probably too happy in the morning for some people <laughs> they don't like my happiness um i i used would joke, you know, to me, I feel more like the hippie child. Like, I should be outside with flowers and dress and skipping to tulips. So, <laughs> back to the thing. 
What tips do you have for someone who's going through a lot and it's hard for them to be positive? If you have someone that you can talk to, really talk to without any judgment, that would be your best bet because it really does help releasing what you're feeling or the frustrations and all that you, you have. And if you don't really have someone to talk to, then journaling, writing things out. Even if you write it all out, you write a letter to whoever ticked you off for the day, you write a letter, you write everything, because once you start writing, there's going to be like 50 other things that have been bothering you that you're going to write in this letter. And then when you're all done, you either tear it up, you burn it in a candle, you get rid of it, because then it helps you release the negativity that's in your body and start being able to look at the positive things. When I was diagnosed with MS, I was like, yay, I don't have a brain tumor. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, wait, what is this? What's going to happen? But I look at other people with MS and I know they're in wheelchairs or they're you know, bed bound, can't do things for themselves. And I just refuse to go there. I know it may happen at some point. But I think by staying positive, no matter what thing you're going through, look for the sunshine, as I call it. In almost all situations, there's something positive in there that you could take out of it to focus on to help try to squash the bad feelings. Ah, I know I'm interrupting you listening to the episode, but I just had to share this news with you. I was recently named one of the top 10 branding coaches and because of that, I just felt super grateful and like I wanted to give back more to you. So I'm currently offering free one-on-one -on -one brand coaching calls where you'll tell me your goals with marketing and your business and I'll give you all my feedback based on where you're currently at and where you want to go. I'll also answer any questions you have on that call about branding or marketing. So click the link in the show notes to schedule your free one hour branding call with me and be sure to bring all your questions because I will literally answer any question you have on that call. It's a great opportunity and I'm not going to do this forever. So make sure you click the link in the show notes and I'll let you get back to your episode. So you're my mom. <laughs> Yes. So obviously you've been really successful. Yes, I have two successful children. I did really well. So what are your tips for new moms, how to be a good mom? First, don't listen to what everybody else says. So ignore the following. No, what, no I mean, you're going, as a new mom, you're going to get advice from everybody. Of, this works for them, this works for them, or whatever, or you shouldn't be doing it that way, you should be doing it this way. Find what works for you, what you're comfortable with. Um, a big thing that helped me is I made schedules. And when you guys were little, I it was more for schedules for me. Okay, we're going to get up and we're going to you know, go for a walk. We're going to go to the playground or we're whatever it is. I scheduled the day out so there wasn't any just sitting around doing nothing all day and start feeling sad because we lived in South Carolina and I had nobody around. Your dad was gone with the military. 
so I focused on making sure that something was going on at all times. But then I always scheduled time for myself. I, you know, if it was once you guys went to bed, pop open a beer or get wine or whatever and sit back and relax and just unwind for the day. As you guys got older, as you guys know, and you didn't really care for it much, is I made schedules. <laughs> and it was scheduled so, because there were so many appointments and then I worked several jobs that I could go in but I had to leave but then I had to make up the time. So I had to schedule everything that I was doing and I made schedule for you guys. And it's how it worked for me. Each person though has something different of what works for them. Take it, you know, people's advice lightly. Try different things. If you have someone that you're really close to, you know, talk to them about things and all. Try to take time for yourself every day, even if it's 15 minutes. You know, it, it doesn't, you just need to take a little time to yourself. You're, you're going to screw up. It's inevitable. It's life. And it's okay. It doesn't make you a bad person or a horrible mom or anything like that. Kids are resilient. They'll bounce back. <laughs> They'll be fine. They'll go to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> or some maybe should go to therapy. <laughs> Um, it's it, but enjoy it. I mean, because they're only kids for a short, you know, baby, a toddler to a child for a short period of time, and then they get to where they're grown, and they have their own lives, and so you're only a part-time person in their life. So enjoy. I mean, I remember in South Carolina, we went like everywhere. We went to the ocean we went to the zoo i took you to libraries i took you to malls we went to parks wherever it is we just took off and had a great time i feel like we have well and you and my brother have like a closer relationship than like most parents and like i feel like i can like talk to you about anything and like you won't judge me but how do you think like because i know a lot of like other People like they wish they were that close to their parents. So, like, do you have any tips for for their, to be close to their parents or to be close to, to have that type of relationship with their own children? Either like a kid that or an adult child now that wants that, or an adult that wants that with their kids. Well, with with trying to get it with your parents, it's more of you're out on your own, you have your own life, you have everything that's going on, making the time. Like when I worked before, um, my mom, your grandma, and grandpa lived in another house and every morning on my way to work, I would call mom. And we would just talk for a few minutes, you know, how's everything, how's dad, you know, what's going on or whatever. But it, we stayed in touch all the time so that there was never, I didn't feel as I got older that I couldn't talk to him. I wouldn't talk to him about like all the things we talk about, but <laughs> and the, the relationship will never get to that kind of relationship, but it's definitely a lot better of a relationship than what it was when we were children. You know, we, we were dictated to as children and you just, 
you didn't speak unless you were spoken to and so forth. Um, now for your own children, let them, you know, if a child sees that you're frustrated some or you're, you're real, you're happy, you talk to them about different things. Like when I used to date, I would ask your opinion about different guys and stuff. And maybe it's kind of awkward for some people, whatever, but it worked for us and it helped keep us together, the bonds between us better, not with just us, but with, with Jimmy as well. Just being able to be open, talk about how you feel about things, tell the kids if you're happy or, you know, all oh, that date sucked or, you know, something so that they can relate a little more to you as they're growing up. At, you know, little, do activities with them, be there for them. Doesn't mean you have to be a helicopter mom, but be there so that they know they know your presence, that you're in their life. Also, you can like, even when I'm like, I'm not going to talk to her about this, you can tell if I'm upset about something, even though I feel like I don't like give off any cues. <laughs> you used to get so mad at me because... You would come walking into me or something, and I could tell you when to talk about something, and I would say, okay, you want to talk about such and such? And you're like, well, how do you know? You know, it's, I think you just, well, for me, it was just an intuition that I think I developed more and more as I got older. Listen to your kids. I mean, really listen to them. Not just hear what they're saying, but when you're talking with them, look at their their body posture, their expressions you know are they twiddling their thumbs and fingers around you know do they look nervous it's all the little cues you can look at and be able to really feel what your child's going through my next question is about philanthropy because pretty app is about being pretty inside and out so in what ways do you feel like you give back and what makes you want to do that i have always in the different places I work at or you know with with you guys or even sometimes you guys as friends always felt like I was mom in the sense of I could help guide people into what they want to do like for instance there was one girl one of the places I worked with she had children married worked a job that she'd been at for like 12 years and she hated it and she, her and I were talking one day and she said that she'd always wanted to go back to school, but she didn't see how. So I worked with her and helped her take her test to get into school, helped her get grants to pay for the schooling, helped get a uh, daycare for her youngest child for when she is in school and so forth. And that's how I feel like I give back. If I see someone that's needing help or guidance or, you know, sometimes it could just be a ride somewhere. Just being very mindful of other people and being relatable and being there for them. And why, what makes you want to do that for people? I like it. <laughs> it makes me feel good. I feel like I'm doing something worthy. Not that, you know, my life isn't worthy, but it just gives you, it gives me that warm and oozy feeling like, oh, I'm oozy. <laughs> You know, that feeling of like, oh, I can't, look at, look, 
almost like that proud mom thing. Oh my gosh, look at what they're doing now. You know, yeah. It's just even like if found a lost dog and were to find him, his parents, I would just be all like, yay, all excited about it because then the, that dog's not out there, lonely, <laughs> nobody around. <laughs> Now you see where Azzy gets all this happiness from. Gotta take care of the dogs. <laughs> I want to chat about your best tips to be pretty AF. So what is your number one tip for travel? Do it. And then make sure you plan well for it. Do it meaning, like, don't, don't do, like, oh, well, one day I want to go here, or one day I want to go there, or... or Next weekend, I just want to I'd just do it. Figure out a way, write it down, write out your goals of how to get there and do it. And then plan the trip out, though. Not meaning like every second of the trip, but making sure you, for me, what worked is like you write the list up beforehand. So you make sure you got your passports, your ID, everything that you need so that when you're on the trip itself, you can enjoy. You didn't forget things. You have everything you need. Everything's set for you, and you have a good time. You love your lists. <laughs> I do love my list. <laughs> there used to be post-it notes all over the place, and but it helps, especially when you're doing so many different things. It helps yeah. keep you organized and on track of what you need to do. Well, I guess that's where I get that from because I have a list of all my different brands of things that I need to do, and I realize some. And even, like, personal things I need to do. Like, I have a list. And, like, I know some people don't have a list at all. And I'm like, how are you just keeping that all in your head? Like, yeah, <laughs> you're going to forget something. You have to, even, like, your goals. You need to, like, write down your one-year, your five-year, your ten-year goals. And how do you want to retire? What do you want? You know, because I wish that was something I would have done when I was younger. Is What do I want for when I want to retire? How do I want to get to there? You write it down, and you write the steps of how you'll get there. Well, I never thought about that. Why didn't you tell me that? Because <laughs> I've really been thinking about that a lot lately, being that I have started doing, as you know, a couple of other things to help generate income because, you know, being on disability, I get like 60% of what my income was at my last job, but that's still a reduction, and there's things that I would like to do so in order to do those things, I know I'm going to have to create income. So, and then plus when my long-term disability ends, I know I'll only have social security to, to depend on. So between now and then, I have goals. I have lots of goals that I'm, I've started making, as you know, your sorority quilts. And we'll be opening that up to people that might be interested in it. I will be launching in accountability coach program to help people stay on track with their goals or even to figure out what their goals are. Um, I also am launching a jewelry line and then there's um, another thing that involves palettes and lots of merchandise and all. So I'm trying to look at all different ways that physically I can't do a lot of different things physically but my brain's still here <laughs> so there's a lot I'm looking at things that I could do to generate income to help me between now and to when I what I call retire 
when it's just Social Security, and then I have enough income to take care of all it. Well, I'm not sure how we got there from traveling. I don't know. <laughs> what is your best beauty tip? <laughs> First of all, love yourself. Not everybody looks the same way. We are all created different. If it's your height, your, you know, your size, the you have a big butt, you know, or you have larger boobs than someone else, or you have smaller, love who you are, because then if you love who you are, then you will think of, I want to be the best that I can be. So you'll eat healthier. You'll take care of yourself. You know, it won't be as much of what you look like in the mirror, but how you feel on the inside. What's your best life tip? Take time for yourself. Stop and smell the roses, as I always say. Enjoy the little things in life. Like the, you know, a puppy playing is just, to me, fascinating to watch. A baby <laughs> laughing, that just makes me smile. You know. Eli, the, huh? Mela. The yeah. Eli, Mela. Yep. The, my granddaughter, the nieces and all. I mean, the little different Things that a lot of people just ignore because they're on this 24-7 track that, you know, everybody works all the time now with a phone in their hand, a computer on their lap. Shut it off at times. And stop and do something different. Even if it's to read a book about Charlie Chaplin or... Who's that? <laughs> he was a... Uh, they did a lot of black and white movies like boring yeah a long time ago <laughs> or you know where you shut everything down and that's the one thing I liked about when we went on the cruise is because I shut everything off as far as work goes I didn't answer the phone I after the first time and I got that phone bill yeah he did they kept calling me and then they saw that and then I was like I'm not gonna listen to this anymore and so I told them, don't call me anymore and that's when I realized this is awesome. Just totally disconnecting from work and enjoy life. I think it's hard even more so now because we have the phones and the laptops and we're expected to be able, people expect to be able to reach us. And I think a lot of people associate their worth with what, with their work and like being needed at work. So I think even me until like the last year and a half, like I would consider myself a workaholic and like I never turned it off. So like what tips do you have to separate from feeling like you always have to be on or like you're not going to be valued? Well, I think that it's because a lot of employers make people feel their employees feel yeah. as though well if I can't reach you John John I could reach John John or you know so they it's almost like they pressure you into feeling like you have to be accessible 24 7 but the big thing I feel to stop it and it took me a while to learn is to say no <laughs> that to let them know unless it's like 
a dire emergency, like flood, fire, death, something that is going to affect the business right then and there, then it can wait till morning. And that's the biggest thing, you know, that you could do. For instance, like last night, I could tell you were tired and all, but you're still working away. And I'm like, just put it away. You have to just put it away. And that's what you, you have to stand up to your employers. Or if you have employees, then think about that too for them. You, there has to be that, that equal balance between work and life. And don't let work take over your life because then you won't really have a life. So I wanted to thank you for coming on the Pretty Native podcast and hanging out in my bed with me <laughs> recording this. Well, thank you. I actually enjoy our little time here together, but you know that. I enjoy when we have our chats. So if someone wants to either buy a sorority blanket from you, take up your offer on a accountability coaching or is interested in your jewelry how can they find you connect with you well for the accountability coach i'm working on launching that here within next month or two so someone can send me an email to tell me they're interested and then i'll send them a form to fill out and they could send an email to your coach 2020 at gmail.com and if you're interested in, you know, a blanket or you know, possibly most the jewelry, most of it's going to be like beads and stones, you know, where the, where they have like a meaning to you or, or a health factor. Correct. So that those are things that I'm going to be working on. And that one you can reach me at Tammy's Treats twenty twenty at gmail dot com. And if you have any questions or anything you can always email me at either one and i'd be more than glad to help anybody out i'm doing a where i'm learning how to do reiki this yes. week so i could infuse your jewelry with reiki too yeah. well i think anyone like especially when you're a multi-passionate entrepreneur it all usually aligns with whatever your why is and why you want to do it and like mine is helping women not feel stuck in whatever they hate about their life, like whether it's their job or like they don't have any time to spend with their kids. So like everything I do is just a different avenue of that. So I think yours is kind of similar. <laughs> yeah. And the, I mean, like, you know, nobody wants to stay working in the same thing, but it's not just work too. It could be relationship. A relationship could be, on all accounts what it should be but you're just not happy so that's where it's important to analyze why you're not happy is it something that you need to walk away from you know don't stay in something just because you think everybody expects you to do it there's always ways to make the changes because you have to make you happy you have to live for you is there any other tips or information that you wanted to share find a way to find things that you enjoy doing if it's your job if it's your family if it's helping other people if it's animals because you only live one life and you need you know and you're born to die 
which is morbid to think about, but that time between when you when you're born and when you die, make the most out of it. Don't live your whole life for someone else. Live it for you. There's a poem out there, and I can't think of the author, but it's online. If you look for how do you, how did you live your dash, and it's talking just about that. You know, like the house that time between the two. That house isn't going to make an impact on someone's life. It might make you happy for a short time, but if it's making you strapped for income, how happy are you really? How did you live your life? Did you do something meaningful to help other people that gave you that goosebumpy feeling that you know, you're know you all warm and fuzzy from it? If you look it up the poem and read it, you'll see what I'm saying, because it just applies so much to everybody if they really thought about it. So this is the last question that I ask every guest. Okay. What does being pretty AF mean to you? Being the most mindful, positive, caring person that I can be. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and my mom. This was really one of my favorite episodes, and it was so much fun getting to chat with her and having you get to know her, too. So she's helped me be accountable my entire life, and I really owe a lot of my success to her. So if you're looking for an accountability coach, I couldn't recommend anyone more than my mom. The link to apply to her coaching is in the show notes, and if you've been in a sorority, the link to her sorority quilts or fraternity quilts are also in the show notes. Growing up, she created mine and my brother's blankets and curtains, so she's always been doing that. She's amazing at it, and I feel like with that, trust is a big thing, and of course, you can trust her because she's my mom. So I hope you have a beautiful day, and I'll see you in next week's episode, and thank you again to my mom for being on this week's episode. Thank you for taking this time for yourself to get one step closer to a life you love. If you love this episode, it would mean the world to me. If you left me a review on iTunes or whatever you're listening on, tell me what you want to hear more of or your favorite parts of the episode. Until next time, I'm Ozzy Maslow. Lots of love. And don't forget, you're pretty AF.